From Muse by Clio and the Clio Awards, this is Tagline, the show about great ads and the people who make them. Hi everyone, welcome to Tagline. I'm Tim Nudd, and we have something a little different today. Usually on the show, we have people talk about the ads they've made, This time, we're asking people about the ads they love. We're calling the series Ad Nerds, and we'll be nerding out about people's personal favorites, old ads, new ads, even some ads that made these folks want to get into this crazy business in the first place. We're also looking for interesting stories about the ads that inspired you. So please DM me on Twitter, at Nud, if you have a fun one. We've got our first four victims today, so stick around to hear their stories. And thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Season 2 of Tagline is brought to you by GSTV. For those of you who may not be familiar, there's a good chance you watch GSTV every time you fuel up. GSTV is a national video network that's had incredible growth, now reaching 104 million viewers a month with a unique one-to-one moment of attention. Think about it. What campaign would you run with that moment? On Tagline, we're discussing some of the most memorable spots in history. Imagine how those campaigns, or your next one, could be creatively transformed in context on GSTV. To fuel your next creative campaign, visit gstv.com slash tagline. Here's a little song for anyone who's ever hated in the key of grrr. Can hate be good, can hate be great, can hate be good, can hate be great, can hate be something we don't hate. Whenever I speak to ad people about their favorite work, this spot comes up a lot. Like, a lot. Honda Gurr, the 92nd animated ad by Wyden & Kennedy London from 2004, which introduced the company's ICTDI diesel engine in the UK with a catchy song sung by Garrison Keillor, all about hating traditional diesel engines. But for Omid Farhang, co-founder of the agency Majority, it was more than just a cool commercial. Oh, isn't it just bliss when a diesel goes like this? It actually changed the course of his life in ways he couldn't have expected at the time. Here's Omid. As the uh, child of Iranian immigrants, I, I grew up under the assumption that there were three professions. You could either be a doctor, a lawyer, or a loser. And uh, so in 2004, I was working uh, rigorously towards a career in the law. I had uh, taken the LSAT, I'd gotten in, and I was getting ready to go to law school. And this is going to sound sappy, but and then I saw Hondiger, and it changed my life, and it changed the trajectory of my career. And I knew that uh, I, I wanted to be in advertising. I was always a, a creative person, but I would have never called myself an, an artist. I kind of had, I had business interest and I had artistic interest and I wasn't sure what to do with that. And my assumption was, you know, you'd just be a lawyer and you're miserable all day. And then you'd come home at night and figure out how to gain some joy in the couple hours before sleep. And that ad to me was the first I had ever seen that had really sort of galvanized for me the relationship between strategy and creative. You know, um, the folklore of the spot is that widened creatives in London were struggling to figure out how to promote uh, a diesel engine. 
And sort of in their desperation to figure out what to do, they went and spoke to Honda engineers and they said, you know, it's like, just can, what can you tell us about a diesel engine and, and the, the purpose of this product? Uh, and they were taken aback by the response from the engineers, which was essentially, we, we had to make a diesel engine and we, our starting point was we hate diesel engines. When you think of diesel engines, they're loud and they're, highly polluting and when you think of those sort of plumes of black smoke that is the diesel engine that we've always known and so this really sort of captured the attention of the of the wide london creatives who thought to themselves like so you guys were motivated by your hatred of diesel engines and so that sort of strategic gem became kind of the you know it became sort of the the centerpiece of this idea that was brought together so beautifully and creatively and, and well crafted for the first time, I, start, I started to gain an appreciation that the best creatives are, are secretly some of the best strategists. Um, and, and it really, to me, was sort of, it embodied the notion of sort of art with a business purpose. Um, so as beautiful as the ad was, the animation, the music, you know, at the time in 2004, it was on par with any Pixar or Disney animated piece. Uh, but it was, the, it was the underlying strategic piece um, that motivated it, that had me watching it over and over and, 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 and quite literally rethinking my life. Yeah, I think, I think what the Wyden London team did was they identified a really powerful tension, something to push against. And I think I've spent the rest of my career kind of starting my own creative process that way. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking for that tension. I think there was an era of advertising um, that was that was not necessarily teaching us to push against, you know, attention in that kind of direct and, and um, almost confrontational way. And I think that was one of the ads that kind of, you know, started to define uh, advertising in the 21st century, not just from a craft perspective, but, but in terms of starting with that tension that you're pushing against, that, that thing that is sort of difficult for us to reconcile. And I think that became sort of a hallmark of, of the advertising that would follow over the next you know, two decades. Sing it like you hate it. Hate something, change something, hate something, change something, make something better. You know, personally, I think that any time you do something creative, you that are doing something creative, you should be the first one to be embarrassed of what you do. Embarrassed. Mamma mia. It should even overcome your morality. The impossible. So you should be the first one to think, I'm, I'm, I'm a jerk. Well, anyhow, that's the way you should dream. Almost like an idiot. That people can tell you he's an idiot. Idiot did a lot of important things. That's Oliviero Toscani, speaking recently with the Art Directors Club of Europe. Toscani is the Italian photographer who shocked the world with his provocative ad campaigns for Benetton in the 80s and 90s. Poum Lefebure, chief creative officer of Design Army, remembers those ads very well. How growing up in Thailand, they were so different than anything she'd seen up to that point. How they really operated on a different level than most advertising seemed to. She also recalls how they influenced her own style as a graphic designer later on. Here's Poom. So I saw the Benetton ad when I was in high school, 
at that time I was, you know, living in Thailand still. And uh, I remember I was flipping through the magazine for sudden I stopped because I saw the picture of a priest kissing a nun. And that was shock image for me, knowing that, um, you know, I went to Catholic school all my life. So that's like something that you don't usually see. And then I noticed the logo on the lower right-hand corner, it's a United Colors of Benetton. And I thought, okay, interesting. Because at the time, you when you go to the mall and shopping around Thailand, you, you know that that's a clothing brand. But it was just very provocative to see a clothing, a fashion brand, you know, project an image that has nothing to do with the product. After that, I think I start seeing ads from Benetton, you know, one after the other. One of them was a newborn baby still attached to the umbilical cord that come out with mother's wombs. And it was shocking. And then the other one, I remember seeing like multicolor condoms on a page and, um, you know, just say United Colors of Benetons because at that time we were uh, facing the AIDS crisis. So I thought it was like really interesting uh, thing to see for a fashion brand. I think when you were a teenager, you don't know, but you just like the rebellious, right? Like everyone showing how beautiful the clothes is and you know putting at, you know on like the perfect model and then for sudden you see this brand just showing a very unpleasant images and for me as a teenage girl i i thought that was cool right as a teenage teenager you're a little bit re- rebellious you know you you went to um all-girl catholic school all your life and you see this kind of thing you you kind of like, this is cool. This is cool. I thought it was very provocative and bold. The person who designed the ad, the other, he's actually a graphic designer. His name is Tibor Carmen, and he uh, owned a design studio in New York called M&C. And uh, what I like about his approach is because I think maybe that was for the first time I see advertising as not a funny haha execution. You know, it was serious. As you know, I, I grew up in Thailand. I grew up with a really, really funny advertising ads campaign or, you know, funny Thai ad. It's just like the funniest thing you've ever seen. Whereas like when you see the print ad in the magazine, it have that seriousness to it. And I think that's what I like. And the way the design and the art direction was very simple. I thought, you know, you can shout quietly without saying a word. I think that was the power of uh, art direction and design. And that's what it's inspired me to become a graphic designer. Because I want to to be able to think that way. I'm a strong believer in um, visual storytelling. I think part of it is that, you know, I want to become graphic designer because I like anything that design, but then at the same time, the art direction was something that was quite interesting to me because uh, that's when you kind of create an idea and concept that become visible. You know, growing up in Thailand or like, you know, study uh, design, I, I, I sketch all the time because I, I really, truly believe, you know, when you sketch, when you draw is when you think. 
I'm not very good with like copy, you know, because when I came here, I studied graphic design. English was my second language. So I try to communicate uh, my idea through visual. And I think that's what kind of set foundation of Design Army work in a way. I remember collecting absolute vodka ad, and that was like the early day of Photoshop. I thought it was very cool and imaginative to see the bottle in different form. Um, so I always drawn into a very strong uh, art direction. Once again, thanks to our sponsor of today's episode, GSTV. GSTV recently launched Amplify, a retail media network that helps CPG marketers reach consumers primed to spend in the last mile of the consumer journey. With two in three GSTV viewers shopping on the day they fuel up, Amplify is a solution for CPG marketers to ensure your campaigns are being seen and influencing your consumer's next action. To learn more, visit gstv.com amplify. You love me. You love me not. You love black culture. But do you love me? You love how I sound. My voice. These beats. This flow. Not me though, right? You love how I look. My hair. This skin. But me? Nah. In November 2020, Beats by Dre and the agency Translation released The Amazing Spot, You Love Me, a meditation on how black culture is revered in America, while black people remain marginalized, oppressed, and unloved. All men are created equal. <laughs> That's my favorite part. You hate us so deeply, but you're still so impressed. Why can't you see? There's history in our skin. You built this country on our backs. I'm him. He's me. She. Us. We. Are all black. black. The Spot, directed by Melina Matsukas, with a script by Lena Waithe, and music by Solange Knowles, is one of the most celebrated of the past few years. For good reason. Walter Gere of VML YNR was one of many who found the work to be compelling in a way advertising rarely is from the boldness of the approach to the beauty of the craft. We're working on a full tagline episode about this spot coming later this summer, but for now, here's Walt on the impact of this modern classic. I gotta say, when I when I saw, um, you know, You Love Me by Beats by Dre, I gotta tell you, it just, it moved me. Like, it, it literally moved me to tears because it was the first time I felt, um, I was able to see, you know, advertising that was just so intentional, right? And advertising that was so much about the moment that we're in, I think a lot of brands and a lot of, you know, creative agencies try to capture moments, but it's hard. And it's harder when it's about, you know, these type of topics that we're talking about, um, you know, being included, right, and, and, and diversity and, and discussing and tackling real issues around lives and people that have been killed, quite frankly, murdered. And I think that, you know, some while some you know, folks try to take it in terms of, you know, running with the, hey, the, the moment and, and just being present, that was just done in such an authentic and real way that just made you understand the power of who we are and what we represent and how you can actually speak to a, to an audience 
in a way that truly connects in, on, a, on, a, on an emotional level uh, and on a level that allows to, to, folk to be, folks to be educated. Yeah, I think it was a bold message, right? And I think that there's a lot of brands that want to do bold work, but don't really have the, the, the guts to really do it. Uh, and yeah, I think it was like being very cut and dry and direct, right? And telling people like, look, you, you say you love us, but do you really? And I think it made people question, right? And, and when you put out that type of work and you, you, you put out that type of conversation, it's so powerful. I think it's, it's a piece of work that, that makes people stop in their tracks and say, am I a part of the problem or am I, am I helping solve the problem, right? And oftentimes when you see any type of work that resonates like that, it, it starts by telling a story, right? And telling stories means like, you need to understand who I am. You need to understand where I live. You need to understand the things I do, the things I appreciate, and now how I am being affected and how I'm being targeted, right? So I think it just did an incredible job of really telling a story, really. That definitely made me really think about what I do in this space, how I use my voice in this space, how I was using my voice in this space, and more importantly, how we do work uh, with clients. It's also bold, right? Work that's impactful. I feel as though they set the bar for, for a lot of folks, Right, who want to do that type of work. But again, like you have to be bold. You have to be confident in your message and how you're going to speak to your audience. And that takes a lot of people. It doesn't just take the creative agency. It takes senior leadership of some of these brands to actually stop for a second and say, yes, this is the thing that we want to do. Because I got to tell you, I don't know many brands that would actually do that work. Not many. Right? You could probably count them on, what, on, on one hand, maybe. Right? So, you know, again, it's, it, it showed... Uh, the world that we can actually, we, we can, you know, we was, it was in a moment where we were being open and candid with our voices and with our social media platforms. And for a brand to really take advantage of that and, and joining the conversation, I thought was, was absolutely incredible. I will say that here's the thing, right? Like you, you can't do that type of work unless you're actually doing the work inside of the house, right? Like you, you, you can't be out in public and saying, yes, yes, we're saving the world. We're doing all this stuff. But internally, your employees don't agree. So being, you know, doing that type of work, it takes a lot, right? It takes being just truly authentic about who you are, truly authentic about what you represent as a brand, truly authentic about how your employees are being treated. Yes, because my employees are being treated the same way we want to treat the rest of the world, right? With care, consideration, current, you know, you know, inclusivity, like all of that stuff, equity, right? So, you know, you have to come from an honest place, I think. To do that type of work, because also we're in a moment in time where, where, where people will get called out and can get called out. Social media is a, is a place where I say one thing and then thousands of people will see it in, in a matter of minutes. And I think that um, brands are afraid to, to, to be called out. No one wants to be called out and look bad for doing you know, performative work. So I think because of that, we see a lot of brands being timid about how they approach that type of work, because it's like, hey, wait. Are we doing the work first? And that's okay. But I'll also tell folks that like, it's okay. We're going to make, you're going to make mistakes when you try to make change, right? You're going to, we're going to make mistakes when we try to move the needle. Um, and, and that's okay. Like we just need to own those mistakes and keep moving forward because if we're all quiet and no one says anything, then what change will actually occur? Craft is critical, right? Like visuals and the music and the tone and the speed, like all of that, like down to the voices being used, the voiceover, if you're going to grab someone's attention, like everything matters, right? The messaging, the colors, the music, like you have to put people in a moment, right? Because advertising at the end of the day is about eliciting an emotion from people, right? And eliciting emotion is, is about relevancy, 
right? And it's about like understanding who the, who your audience is and being able to connect with them on a level that actually is meaningful or that's memorable. And quite frankly, when you're doing this type of work, it has to be magical. So how do you like elicit that kind of emotion for folks? Um, I often say, um, and you know, Maya Angelou has a quote, she says, people will forget what you've said, they'll forget what you've done, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel, right? That's what we need to do in advertising. And that's what great work does, right? It makes you, you go away from that feeling a certain way. I tell you, like, I forgot many times, like, wait, what was the name of that beach thing? It's like, you love me? You love me? Not? Like, I forget. But I'll tell you what, it made me feel a certain way. And I knew it was beats. And it made me feel like, wow. And that's the way all of advertising needs to work. <laughs> Last but not least, we have Jerry Graff, Chief Creative Officer of Slap Global, who told us about a lesser-known classic campaign from back in the 80s, a radio campaign from his time growing up outside Boston. Now, we've hunted high and low for these ads, and we still haven't found them, so if you know who might have them, please let us know. And in the meantime, here's Jerry. I'm influenced every year by something. I think one reason that keeps me going is every year I think I suck and I'm finished because I see something that somebody else does and it, it just blows my mind. So there's a lot through the years, you know, that's that's what you do when, when you love, love an ad that you didn't do right. You hate the guts of the person who did it. Um, so I don't know. I was, I was thinking back to the first, the first ad that influenced me that the, even before I was in advertising, just I went back to high school. I grew up outside of Boston and there's this other city, Massachusetts, Worcester, Mass. And there was a uh, clothing store called Maurice's and it was a radio campaign. And uh, he called himself Maurice the Pants Man. And I thought that was like the greatest, the greatest thing in the world. And I, it's like what, mid to late eighties, I guess. And it's 30-ish years ago. And I can still remember how he sounded. And it was like, this is Maurice, the pants man. We've got trousers, chinos, khakis, denims, capris, corduroys, overalls, dungarees. So come to Maurice's. Why? Because I'm the pants man. (laughs) And I just fell in love with that for like a million, million reasons. And I still go home to, uh, to Boston dirt for the holidays and stuff and I'll see friends and we'll just start riffing on every other type of pants we could come sweat pants rain pants track pants bell bottoms parachutes because I'm Maurice the pants man first of all you know exactly what the company and the brand does he sells he sells pants and I really love uh advertising where it's clear you know um, what what you're asking me to do, you know, the the pizza's five dollars. That's you know kind of the information we want to let you know. So I like the clarity of it. Um, I love that he he was not trying to be funny, and he is hysterical. Maurice the pants man, and I love that that phrase Maurice the pants man probably just came from you know him maurice knowing what he was good at you know he sold a lot of different clothes but he decided to like simplify and call himself the pants man and i also love that like i could i could take that i could take maurice the pants man and create an entire universe 
of pants and pant-like objects and pant accessories. And I, you know, I could write a movie for where Maurice the Pants Man comes from. So it's just very, I don't know. I love the simplicity of it. I love, again, especially that it, it's, it just makes me crack up and laugh and there's no set up punchline or joke or anything like that. It's just, it's just wonderful. And it made me want to buy some corduroys, maybe some chinos. listening to Tagline, a show about great ads and the people who make them. Thanks to my guests this week, Omid Farhang, Poom Lefebure, Walter Gear, and Jerry Graff. Tagline is a production of Muse by Clio, the content division of the Clio Awards. This week's episode was produced by Carly Angeloni. Our theme music is by Brian Englishman. A big thanks to our sponsor, GSTV, and thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with more ad nerds here on Tagline. This episode of Tagline was brought to you by GSTV. Every day, millions of Americans get in their vehicles and go. Fueling drives commutes, commerce, and connection. And that's where GSTV has the undivided attention of one in three adults every month. GSTV's national video network owns a unique moment for innovative storytelling, when consumers are engaged, taking action today, and influenced for tomorrow. Fuel your next creative campaign with GSTV. To get started, visit gstv.com slash tagline.